Oh, that was such a good episode. We did such a good job. We're so smart. The Church of Satan. Wait, did you hear her? Also, this is the Phenomena Podcast. Hi, welcome to the Phenomena. We stopped doing that. Welcome to the Phenomena Podcast. My name's Eva. I'm Augusta. Mm, thanks for joining us this week. We're going to be talking about, um, you know... <laughs> no, um, we're continuing with... <laughs> You know, you know, <laughs> teehee, you know. Yeah, we've been talking about um, like cultural hysteria in relation to magic and witchcraft uh, in America. Uh, not co- not in a comprehensive sense, but we've picked a few windows of time to look at, and so we looked at the Salem witch trials. We looked at the feminist and separatist witchcraft movement in the 70s and now we're going to talk about satanism and the satanic panic of the 80s so pretty exciting stuff there's a lot if you've heard the yeah if you've heard the other episodes you're gonna be like oh my god that guy oh my god that biblical character oh my god you know the bible yeah the bible's coming back bro oh my god the bible oh oh my god oh my god what is that? The Bible. <laughs> the tiny two-passenger elevator lined with red velvet was slowly ascending, carrying Michelle Smith up to the residence of Sergio Cardino Pigandoli. It was the 5th of February, 1978, and she had been in Rome for two weeks, she and her friends, knocking on the door of every Vatican official who would listen, seeking an audience for the shocking yet inspiring story they had brought some 10,000 miles from the far side of Canada. Crammed into the little elevator with her was Dr. Lawrence Pazder, the psychiatrist who had been the first to hear the story, which had poured forth during a long and agonizing year. Tall, blue-eyed, and tanned, even in February, Dr. Pazder took Michelle's hand and squeezed it, as he had so many times before when reassurance was needed. Two other companions were below in the Cardinal's anteroom, waiting for their turn in the elevator. And then it goes through the cast of characters, various church officials, blah, 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 blah. Mm, That's a beautiful reading. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. I'm just skipping to the end of the introduction. They had been invited for breakfast. Breakfast, it turned out, was tea and almond cookies served by nuns. The conversation began as the bishop introduced the case in brief and then asked Michelle to speak for herself. As she spoke, she saw the cardinal's mobile face become grave and then angry. Impossible, he interrupted. I know Canada. It is a civilized country. These things could not happen there. Michelle, taken aback, began to cry, but she did not retreat. She kept talking, insistently conveying for the cardinal the personal odyssey that had first appalled and then persuaded, one by one, the three companions who had come with her from Canada. In time, and after many cups of tea, the cardinal became less irritable and then concerned, less grave than absorbed. The change in attitude was clear in his expressions and his tone of voice as he questioned her. At the end, he turned to Bishop Derue and said, So this is what you meant. Now I see. You are right. This is serious. This is a matter that will require our most careful attention. If you've heard of QAnon, which you have, you definitely this have. This is the book that started it all. So this is a book. Uh, 
This is a book written throughout the late 70s, published in 1980 uh, in Canada, but then in other languages across the world. It's a book called Michelle Remembers, an extremely civilized country, as anybody who's been there knows. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you've ever been in the deep woods there, trekking across the Yukon, you know. Civilized. Um, This book is by two people, the titular Michelle and Lawrence Posder, who we heard about being tan even in February. He's so... At the top of the act. <laughs> and Michelle writing the book is like, I was ritually abused by Satanists. Lawrence writing the book, I was looking good. <laughs> literally, I was literally. It's so fine. <laughs> like, I looked I good. Tan. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a little dated in that way. <laughs> well, yeah, let's talk about dating. Not only is it dated, it's, uh, widely discredited. It's a huge, so. Not a thing. I can't wait to talk so about this... how science is bogus. Go on. <laughs> so this book is... So Posner was Michelle's therapist. He was her psychotherapist. He practiced with her. So she she came in and she was like, I have depression. I miscarried. I have been having these like personal issues. I... I'm suffering. I therapy. Right. I need therapy. And at this time, Jungian analysis and memory retrieval are very popular um, emerging forms of therapy. And that's what Posner practices. And so he he starts treating her in 73. And like three years into their treatment plan in 76, she is talking to him about her miscarriage And she's like, I have something important to tell you. I have something important to tell you. But she can't remember what it is. And so he's like, oh, you have repressed memories. We're going to retrieve them Mm -hmm. together. Because at the time that was considered, I mean, it depends on who you ask. There were definitely therapists who thought that was insane. But there there was a movement that memory retrieval was an important form of therapy. That was a valid form of therapy. That dealing with repressed memories from childhood was an important way to access that trauma and get it out sometimes using mesmerism that'll be yeah if you remember our mesmerism episodes Mm. i'll try to make a ding noise every time there is something it'll be super super (laughs) interrupt the flow of the entire show so they're having a session and supposedly she kind of lapses into a trance-like state having a head and just starts dank sesh (laughs) yeah I'm in a good mood today. <laughs> They're having a heady dank sesh, and she's like, yo, dude. They're puff puff passing, and she begins to scream. Mm-hmm. And supposedly, she screams for 25 minutes straight, which if I was in therapy and I started screaming for more than one minute, my therapist, well, she would just hang up the telehealth call, but... <laughs> She'd be like, oh, we're losing connection. <laughs> Sorry, my Wi-Fi's bad. <laughs> And eventually she starts speaking in a child's voice. In the text, he specifically says the voice of a five-year-old, which how you could date that, unknown to me. But she begins speaking like a child. And during the next year and change, he spends their sessions using hypnosis and suggestion to help her recover memories of what they describe as satanic ritual abuse that occurred when she was five. So in the mid-50s, supposedly, her mother and others were part of what she calls a satanic cult in Victoria, which is part of Canada. Uh, It's on the western coast. Beautiful, 
part of the world extremely civilized <laughs> and supposedly there was a supposedly the church of satan which we'll get, we'll get into what yeah. that is but supposedly the church of satan ritually abused her in really dark and horrible ways and like including like 81 day long rituals that were meant to summon satan and involved scarification and sexual assault torture being locked in cages she was supposedly tortured she was supposedly forced to participate in dark rituals involving blood and animal parts and like a lot of sexual violence a lot of sexual violence and a lot of sacrifice like she's like yeah they were killing adults and kids and like rubbing each other in their blood like like satanic ritual orgy is what she believes she was witness to when she was five and that she'd repressed the memories her whole life and then her doctor brings those memories to the surface and then they go to the vatican and they're like we need help. There's evil. There's evil in Canada. There's like deep. There's a a worldwide organization of evil. So, oh yeah, importantly, the Church of Satan that she claims she was abused by is not just like her mom and some homies. It's like a worldwide organization, and this is just one tiny branch of it. But they think they've uncovered just the tip of the iceberg. Mm, if you look deeper, familiar to you anyone? won't believe what you'll see. Right. Yeah. Something a flag that's going to be different about the satanic panic than the contemporary um like conspiracies around the church of satan and like pizzagate QAnon, hillary clinton vibes is that at this time part of what made this so scary as a book and as a phenomenon was that it wasn't elites it wasn't like hillary clinton in the basement of uh what is it called? Cosmic Comet Comet pizza. pizza. It was like, it could be your neighbor. It could be the librarian. A lot of it was teachers and other people that work with kids. But it was like very ordinary across the country, everybody and anybody. Like you're, all your neighbors are Satanists, but not you, but everybody felt that way. Not everybody, that's a generalization. But you know what I mean? Like everybody, everybody who felt... Everybody who believed the satanic panic felt like they were, like, the only ones who weren't out there, like, sexually abusing and murdering children. Um, mm -hmm. And that was, like, part of what made it sort of feel like almost a zombie movie where you're not sure who's, like, infected. And uh, I think this is going to be some offhand just comment of mine. Um Based on some of the comments of some of the popular propagators of the Satanic Panic, a lot of whom were like televangelists, popular Christian, inf not influencers, but like influencer in the sense of literally people who are influential, influential mm -hmm. Christian figures. Um, mm -hmm. Based on the numbers that they were providing, insisting that all these things were happening everywhere it would have been up to like a half a million people murdered every year in satanic ritual abuse that's right. the figures that were coming out <laughs> which is like so many people and that's in like just north america right 
It's also funny because, and we'll get to this, but, and maybe we should get to this now. In this book, uh, it's a, the thing about the book that's crazy. So this book became really popular. It was publicized with articles in People and the National Enquirer. Posner and Smith toured the U.S. They promoted the book. It was a publishing success. It earned a ton of money. They made like hundreds of thousands of dollars. And like 10 years after it was published, they were on Oprah doing like... This was huge for Oprah. This was a turning point in Oprah's career. And it received widespread publicity. And actually, in a lot of ways, this book is credited with kicking off a widespread interest in two things. One memory recollection like a traumatic memory recollection through hypnotism and mesmerism in therapy which is extremely popular in the 80s um or at least widely publicized it's hard to get figures on how popular it actually was in terms of like people actually doing it but it was definitely a thing that received a lot of coverage and attention and that you could get a lot of coverage and attention for doing and for popularizing satanic ritual abuse as a concept yes so <laughs> I I mean it's it's like hard to even explain how it was discredited because like it just seems obviously not true. So it's hard <laughs> to be like <laughs> it's not true because remember, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, remember three cups of tea? It's kind of like that. Like we all read it and we were like, "Damn, that's that's a lot. That's almost unbelievable." And then it was like, "Oh, cuz it didn't happen." So the book source material is tapes. Right. So these sessions were recorded. I'm going. So and what they say is they're like the sessions were scrutinized for accuracy. Now, I'm going to read you some of the some of the text from one of their conversations. Pop off. This is what the tapes supposedly contain. I don't understand. There were people standing there. They were looking in the door. They were laughing. They were laughing. Oh, why are they laughing? I don't understand. It isn't funny. Oh, I feel so sick. I don't understand how this could have happened. Where's my teddy bear? Oh, where's my bear? I want my bear. I want my bear. I want my bear. Michelle's crying continued. Science. Research. Feminism. (laughs) So the claim that those books and the source material were scrutinized. (laughs) Right. Obviously, there are ones where she gets into more detail in the book, but like, they're, the way that this memory therapy works, as described in the book, is she says a bunch of insane stuff from the perspective of a five-year-old, and they put together what that could mean in terms of memories. Right. It's not like she says, when I was five, this happened to me, and they have to debunk that. It's like she's going into supposedly a ritual trance. Not a ritual trance. She's going into a, a, ritual trance you know, in a mesmeric trance. Sense. Yeah, in the anthropological sense. And then... They're like, what does this mean? Maybe you were abused by your mom with a knife and it was Satan and it was dark and that was what the bear had to do with. That's probably why you saw all those upside down stars you didn't mention that I just thought of. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. Um, So they, and they, they accuse the church of Satan. Then the founder of the church of Satan is like, I'm gonna sue you for libel. The church was founded long after these events took place. Yes. The Church of Satan didn't exist until after this happened, so I'm going to fucking sue you. Right. 
Cause, like, cause, back off. Like many other people at this time, the people who were accusing the Church of Satan of the satanic ritual abuse had no understanding of Satanism and didn't know that the Church of Satan wasn't founded until 1969, though they weren't the first satanic religion nor the first satanic, uh, like, church or chapter. But the COS, Church of Satan, founded in 1969. So I'm not going to go through and debunk all the claims in the book because obviously you know that this five-year-old was not ritually abused by a secret organization in Canada. But... Even the most basic facts recounted in the book are not true. Right. There's a huge section about a car crash. There's no records of that car crash ever having happened or anybody able to corroborate that. Most of the members of her family are never mentioned. Right. They, The family is all Catholic and practicing Catholic. Right. There's no discussion of that or mention of that. There's no police investigations. Posder, the therapist, never makes an effort to involve the police or verify any of the book's accusations in any no. way. It's completely a whole cloth. So there's not even an attempt at any kind of like fact-checking or journalistic integrity. Obviously, this is not true. Um, and it's never been substantiated by any evidence besides her testimony. Like, many journalists have looked into this and been like, I mean... It's... Yeah. 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 And... Yeah. <laughs> And then what I find actually to be the most disturbing element of this, but I don't know, I'd love to hear your perspective on it. Posner and Smith were sleeping together and got married. Well, because he was grooming and psychologically abusing her, in my opinion. I mean, I don't know. You know, I have no way of knowing what those sessions were like. She may have been, I mean, she was an adult. Like she may have been making, she may have been participating, but- it does seem like it does seem like a plausible explanation for this kind of recovered memory that something awful was happening between them and this was her only way to talk about it and he was like using her for money. I mean that seems possible to me. I don't know if it's true, yeah. but I mean there's a, there's several theories um in science that have only been proven by people who were sleeping with the scientist. Uh, one of them being, like, photographic memory. Like, no one's ever been able to reproduce affirmative results that prove the existence of photographic memory, no matter how many people say they have it, except for one woman. Uh, And she was the girlfriend of the Harvard scientist who was conducting the experiment, and she was not able to reproduce the results a second time. Right. Uh, That's just a fun fact. This, this, so this book kicks off basically a worldwide yes especially north american wide panic about the church of satan and i would love if you were to tell us what the church of satan actually is sure just right off yeah let's talk about what satanism really is and what the church of satan especially really is so satanism has um a few different valuations a few different sort of sects um and then within those sects uh sorry it has three sort of directions that Satanism goes. And then within those directions, there's many, many sects and churches, just as there are many, many sects and churches within Christianity. There's all sorts of, they have just as much drama as Christianity, maybe a little more drama, (laughs) considering that they're much younger and they have split, like they've had just as many schisms as the Christian and Catholic, as Christianity and Catholicism and, you know, 
Um, so the one that is most relevant is the Church of Satan. And the Church of Satan is sort of the codified church that surrounds the satanic bible and while the satanic bible might sound like it's the be-all end-all scripture of satanism it's really not um satanism mostly but especially this direction of satanism which is an atheistic satanism there's atheistic satanism theistic Satanism, and then something in the middle called non-theistic Satanism. Um, you can probably infer by those words that atheistic Satanism affirms a non-existence of gods and godlike figures. Theistic Satanism affirms a an existence of a godlike Satan, and non-theistic Satanism declines to base its beliefs and practices on there being a theistic Satan, but does not directly affirm that there is no uh, godly Satan. So uh, the most popular theistic Satan, uh, the most popular church of theistic Satanism, which did eventually fall uh, and was dissolved in the 80s during the Satanic Panic, that's something that I want us to ding reference. The very first, not the, it was a non-Levean Satan, Satanist organization that actually was around at the time of the abuses that were uh, attributed to the Church of Satan, but couldn't have been. The Our Lady of Endor Coven. Um, so the Church of Satan itself um, is the flagship campus that's not right it's the flagship <laughs> campus of what's called levey and satanism so anton levey is this guy who countersued um for libel because he wrote the satanic bible which again is not scripture it's more like it's more like marx's little red book like it's not scripture but it is it does lay down a set of theory, principle, and ideals. Um, mm -hmm. A manifesto, some could say. Ding! <laughs> it's a manifesto. <laughs> and it is largely based on the writings of Aleister Crowley. So anyway, Anton LaVey wrote a lot of uh, wrote a lot of the Satanic Bible based on Aleister Crowley's writings. So LaVeyan Satanism is it's individualist, it's egoist, it's anti-egalitarianist, and it surrounds the idea that Satan is not a real person, not a real figure, but Satan is representative. Satan is a metaphor for all of the things that challenge, um, like the, all, a metaphor for all the things that challenge the status quo. So the mm -hmm. nine, so in the, in the introduction, the prologue, sorry, because the Satanic Bible is very full of itself. Again, you can see how it takes its, uh, takes its pedigree from the writings of Aleister Crowley, because the Satanic Bible takes itself very seriously. But in its prologue, he says, Herein you will find truth and fantasy. Each is necessary for the other to exist but each must be recognized for what it is. What you see may not always please you, but you will see. 
And the opening of the Satanic Bible are the nine Satanic statements. So the, these are the ultimate thrust of the Church of Satan, which is a kind, which is the flagship campus of a kind of Satanism <laughs> that follows the direction of atheistic Satanism. And keeping in mind, this is the Church of Satan that was being accused of perpetuating ritual abuse. Right. So the nine Satanic statements. One. Satan represents indulgence instead of abs. Also, all of these end with an exclamation mark, but I'm not going to screen them. One, Satan represents indulgence instead of abstinence. Two, Satan represents vital existence instead of spiritual pipe dreams. Three, Satan represents undefiled wisdom instead of hypocritical self-deceit. Four, Satan represents kindness to those who deserve it instead of love wasted on ingrates. Five, Satan represents vengeance instead of turning the other cheek. Six, Satan represents responsibility to the responsible instead of concern for psychic vampires. Seven, Satan represents man as just another animal, sometimes better, more often worse than those that walk on all fours, who, because of his divine, spiritual, and intellectual development, has become the most vicious animal of all. Eight, Satan represents all of the so-called sins as they all led to physical, mental, or emotional gratification. And nine, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. So, I mean, you've got your answer right there. It's number nine. <laughs> but like the ninth satanic statement, I mean, that's so clear to me. Like they're not like they're right, but like in... In summary of the satanic panic, Satan has been the best friend the church has ever had as he has kept it in business all these years. Because as you kind of uh, alluded to with this particular therapist in this particular book, going forward in the satanic panic, we'll see that it was immensely profitable for the church and many individuals. Yeah. So when most people think of the satanic panic, I think they think about the McMartin preschool trials, which were these, it was a sexual abuse daycare scandal that started in 1983. So three years after the publication of Michelle Remembers, it's already become a huge thing. Satanic ritual abuse is beginning to permeate the public consciousness. There's been press coverage Lots of this, of discussions of this, a lot of uncritical discussion yes. of this, a lot of uncritical coverage of this indicated to my eye and to the eye of many journalists looking at it after the fact um, that it stands in for some kind of underlying social tension, but we'll get to mm. that. So the McMartin preschool trial is there is a preschool in Manhattan Beach, which is a beach town in California, run by the McMartin family. And in 1983, the mother of one of the preschool students reports to the police that her son has been sodomized by a McMartin preschool teacher and her estranged husband. The accuser's estranged husband or the... The accuser's estranged okay. husband. So the estranged husband of the... the of the, the mother. The, the father of the... Right. Not yeah. of the teacher. Yeah. Okay. Not of the teacher. Her son's been having trouble pooping, and that's why she believes this. No comment. So there's no... Some people say that the son said that he had been molested. Some people say that the son denied it. But there's there's no clear answer on that one way or another because it was coming from Johnson, who, as we'll find out, is an unreliable narrator. Um, 
Then over the course of this uh, investigation, she begins making more accusations. People at the daycare, uh, she, the people at the daycare were having sexual encounters with animals. Mm. That kids were drilled in the arms and that they were flying in the air. Important phrasing. The police question the teacher, whose name is Ray Bucky, but there's no evidence that this happened. And so the police, in a classic case of police making the situation literally a thousand times worse, send a form letter to the parents of the kids. Stop. I didn't know this detail. Saying that the kids might have been abused. Can you ask them? They sent a form this is, letter? This is the letter. I knew that they had gone and then asked the other kids in like a very leading way, but I did not know that it was done in the form of... Go on. September 8th, 1983. Dear parent, this department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation. Ray Bucky, an employee of Virginia Martin Preschool, was arrested September 7th, 1983 by this department. The following procedure is obviously an unpleasant one, but to protect the rights of your children as well as the rights of the accused, this inquiry is necessary for a complete investigation. Records indicate that your child has been or is currently a student at the preschool. We are asking your assistance in this continued investigation. Please question your child to see if he or she has been a witness to any crime or if he or she has been a victim. Our investigation indicates the, pol the possible criminal acts include oral sex, fondling of genitals, buttocks or chest area, and sodomy, possibly committed under the pretense of taking the child's temperature. Also, photos may have been taken of the children without their clothing. Any information from your child regarding having ever observed Ray Bucky to leave a classroom alone with a child during any nap period, or if they ever observed Ray Bucky tie up a child, is important. Please complete the enclosed information form and return it to this department in the enclosed stamped return envelope as soon as possible. We will contact you if circumstances dictate. And then they go on and talk about how they, the, nature, the nature of this investigation is strictly confidential. Please yeah, don't discuss this with anyone outside your immediate like, family. Fuck. And there is no evidence indicating the management of the preschool had any knowledge of this situation. Mm hmm and no other employee in the school is under investigation for any criminal act. That's what it says. We're just investigating this one guy. So there's like this little disclaimer at the end. But obviously, no, who reads if you're a parent, but... if you're a parent and you get a you get a letter that says, literally the first line: "This department is conducting a criminal investigation involving child molestation." Yeah. Period. And just instant breakdown. Full Seeing the mom red. from Twin Peaks. Like seeing red. Yeah. That's all. You, I mean, yep, there's that's it. So they ask them to question their children. And like, these are preschoolers. And if you've ever and these are hung out with parents, not kids, any kind of social workers who are trained in any right. sort of like investigative, gentle, like, you know, uh, probative, like, work, yeah. they're just the parents. Parents who have just been told that there is a molestation sketch, like, yeah. That there is a secret molestation happening at their children's preschool right. and can they investigate if there's anything going on with their kids? Can you just ask right. them? And if you've ever talked to a child, <laughs> if you ask a kid, did this happen to you? I mean, if you, if you say to a kid, what did you do today? Sometimes they'll say, oh, I went to the park. And sometimes they'll say, flying animals, woo! Yeah. And then start peeing. Right. 
Like I still do that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, adults are unreliable narrators because they can lie, but a child, the age, like a preschool age child. A lot of satanic panic, as you're pointing out, a lot of satanic panic is tied up in this idea of destruction of innocence. And the implication of that, the flip side of the implication of satanic ritual abuse destroying the innocent is that the innocent are inherently, is that the the victims are inherently innocent. And I'm not saying that the preschoolers who just acted like a preschooler and said the things that they were being rewarded for saying, which I'm sure you'll get into, like, I'm not saying that they were like malicious. I'm just saying that they are not inherently honest or you know what I mean like there's this weird dichotomy of it's like first the child was perfect the child is honest the child is a reliable narrator because it's a child it's a lamb of God and then it is corrupted but like there's this like Mm -hmm. sort of splitting Mm -hmm. happening yeah I mean it is all about childhood and like so so what happens next in in my in my narrative of it in my accounting excuse me what happens next that I think is important for our purposes is that the the New York Times reports that the case has attracted national attention because authorities speculated that hundreds of children might have been molested and subjected to the satanic rituals. And that's so many. That's right. So many allegations. I mean, there were like 200 allegations made, ultimately. So so parents begin making allegations. Parents begin interviewing their kids. Obviously, the kids say, I saw a teacher fly. Yeah, they touch me. They touch me all the time. Like, sure, I saw him leave at nap time with other kids. Of course. (laughs) Like, they don't, they have no, they don't understand what's happening. Right. And some of them are saying yes because their parents are want them to say yes right. and their kids and there's like documented instances of the police giving them snacks when they admit that they were abused Ugh. right <laughs> right but the media coverage really presents this uncritically mm-hmm. like there is widespread especially in california where this is happening mm-hmm. there is especially on like TV news, mm-hmm. widespread positive coverage of this. Positive in the sense of like, this is really happening and we, you know, this is real and affirmative and like, we need to think about the fact that there is a trial happening at a preschool about Satanism. And this is a very not, different era of TV news too. This is not right. 250 channels that you can go back and forth with. This is not people who on YouTube make commentary about what's happening and you have multiple opinions. This is like five news channels. Two local news channels, MSNBC, like, and that's it. And the the trial continues, right? The trial continues over the course of years. It's like, I think, eight years before the trial is concluded. Mm -hmm. They bring, they get social workers involved. A social worker comes back. The cops come back. They interview the children. It's not just the form letter. They, you know, become convinced. They make all these accusations. It spreads to many of the teachers, almost all the teachers. They And then, so at the top, right, as I said, they just say like that there's been that there's been allegations of like pedophilia or child molestation. Mm-hmm. Then it takes a while, but after a certain number of interviews with the kids who say fantastical stuff, like somebody flew in the air or somebody jumped or I saw them with a pot or whatever, right. they're like, Oh my god, this is the satanic ritual abuse that we've been hearing about. Like it's happening here, it's happening in our communities, it's happening at the preschool. 
And that becomes part of the mainstream coverage of it as well. So there is this idea that <laughs> that the McMartin preschool is one arm of this satanic cult that is running right. North America and is using children in ritual sacrifice. The case ends up lasting, yeah, seven years, costs $15 million, and is at the time the longest and most expensive criminal case in the history of the U.S. legal system. And it results in no convictions. No convictions, because, duh, like... Right. And the church really grabs onto this. So, I mean, as well they should. I'm not saying, like... Like... I don't think they grab onto it cynically. I think some people grab onto it cynically because it was very popular and very profitable to do coverage of this. But I think the church had no choice but to grab onto it because these children, two things. One, the children are saying that they saw people flying and that is being entered into court as evidence. Not that it went anywhere, but it's on the record. And people are including that as part of the coverage and part of the discussion of the case. They're not saying, oh, the children are so traumatized that they have these fantastical delusions that people were flying. They're saying the children saw people flying. So the church has to have an answer for that. Um, And then second, at the end, no convictions. So that puts the church in another bind that I do think leads to a lot of the the um, conspiracy around Satanism and Luciferianism that we see today, where certain religious elements see that moment where the court declines to get a, con- not declines to get a conviction, but declines to convict um, based on no evidence, but declines to convict based on testimony that includes what would seem to be religious characterizations of events. And mm-hmm. I think that that feels, I'm not trying to make the church sound like petty or like they're a baby, but like that feels bad to church members who who uh to to Christians who really believe that this happened and really believe that the court should be taking it seriously. And I think it feeds this idea that the government is anti-Christian, which has become very pervasive today. Even though in reality, okay, fine. In my opinion, based on my understanding and my review of various historical events and documents, America remains very much a Christian government. But mm-hmm. to a lot of people, that was an outright denial of the validity of Satanism as a crime and right. of Christian testimony. So when you see things today that are all about government officials being involved in Satanism and the war against Christmas and this, that, and the other thing, you have to remember these instances in the 80s especially where, for example, the government declined to convict someone that lots and lots of Christians in America felt was a Satanist and a child abuse, a child, like a severe violent child molester. Right. 
It's also interesting because I think, as you mentioned up top, if you've heard of QAnon, this is what you're hearing about mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Like the McMartin preschool trial and Michelle Remembers are two of the most high profile examples of these kind of accusations. Mm -hmm. But there were hundreds of these accusations across the country, if not thousands in like communities that never made it to the legal sense, you know, of like people being accused of being Satanists, yeah. people being accused of ritual child abuse. Very McCarthy, McCarthyism kind of moment. Right. I mean, very, very Danvers witch trials. Yes. Actually, three of the preschool teachers and members of the Bucky family who were accused in the case and then exonerated spoke to the National Association of State Vocal Organizations about their experiences and then attended the nineteen seven or the nineteen ninety seven Day of Contrition conference in Salem, Massachusetts, mm -hmm. and were joined by experts about the daycare sex abuse hysteria like they became involved in this long mm -hmm. <laughs> proud tradition of surviving mass hysteria right. that in america is so associated with salem um also for the record the woman who entered those original investigations turned out to be severely untreated schizophrenic mm -hmm. and died of alcoholism like died of alcohol poisoning a few years later which is obviously tragic yeah. but also I think a lot of people attribute that to, you know, potentially where this case began in just being like kind of right. un, yeah, being an unhandled, unhandled mental mm -hmm. illness, which, I mean, her poor son. Yeah. But anyway, I know. Um, I know. I wonder where those children are. We're not going to go find out because that's very invasive. A few of them have gone on the record saying that they regret ever making yes. those confessions and they did it because their parents asked them to. But most of them, I think, hopefully will never hear from them again. And they changed their names. Hopefully the court is paying for a lifetime of therapy for yeah. them, not memory recovery. Not therapy. memory. I can't imagine even, I mean, the amount of trauma you'd have to have, uh, the amount of trauma you would have, I mean, surrounding therapy, it would just make therapy even harder, which therapy is the supposed thing that's supposed to make unresolved trauma addressable. But then if you're, yeah. Um, what's also interesting about what you were saying about the church is that when I was reading this, a lot of the stuff that I was seeing, the coverage, had to do with the press and their kind of cozy relationship with government prosecutors mm -hmm. and with the trial. So, like, yes. it's interesting now to think about – it's interesting now to think about in a, something like QAnon, which I'm assuming you have a baseline level of understanding if you're listening to this podcast because it seems like it's covered everywhere these days. In QAnon, there is this – this dual understanding of there is evil, there's child molestation, there's horror in the world, mm. there is like, there are these nightmarish anti-Christian satanic evil organizations operating that we don't know about and we're not aware of that are destroying our children. But then also this feeling that like the press is never going to cover mm. it. The press is in the pocket of news media or the press is news media the press is in the pocket of big government yeah. of big or you know they're 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 taking soros money right. i mean the whole the you soros know money. i read an amazing article about the connection between the idea of like child sacrifice and like ancient blood libel mm. and like anti-semitic mm. uh tradition and history throughout europe past to america which i find extremely compelling actually we were talking about zoroastrianism in the chat recently and uh when when Islamic and Christian influences had their crusades through various nomadic communities of Zoroastrians, one of the 
propaganda techniques that they used was to talk about how Zoroastrians would bury children in the sand to suffocate them to death if the children were unwanted. Mm-hmm. Whether or not that was happening the way that they describe it is debated. There are some records of what we might, in a very generous sense, call like an assisted suicide or a mercy killing of a severely ill person by suffocating in a ritual burial in sand or from a less generous to cynical perspective outright infanticide um it's debatable it's thousands of years ago at this point but that was an element of their justification for their behavior it's a it's a common card to play which doesn't mean it doesn't happen, but saying that your enemy kills, molests, and harms children, a tale as, as old as time for Christians. Christianity. It is a tale as old as the Bible in the sense that like some early blood libel tales date back to like the year 1144 in England. We have like written text of a boy found dead in the woods and then the Christian community believes that Jews did it to mock the passion of Christ and so they go and like burn down the nearby Jewish community I mean it's like it truly is and the idea of a secret cabal like a secret cabal of rabbis Mm -hmm. the idea that children are sacrificed by these secret cabal of rabbis the idea that they have tunnels which is something in the mcmartin preschool trial and something in QAnon. yes it's like subterranean so there were there were these accusations that there were tunnels underneath the mcmartin preschool and parents went with shovels and dug up all the area around the preschool and obviously found nothing Mm -hmm. because there's nothing a lot yeah but that's That's a very important thread. A lot of Illuminati stuff, Soros money stuff, Satanism stuff, a lot of it centers on tunnels. Take that as well. Subterranean. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting to me that in QAnon, you have the press is always going to lie to us. The media is never going to cover the real stories and child abuse, ritual satanic abuse, blood drinking, subterranean evil. Because in these cases, which in some ways provide a modern blueprint for how to handle and cover these things, how to whip up a frenzy without checking any facts, Mm -hmm. it is the press that whips those stories up. Like they have found a way, the people behind QAnon and perpetuating QAnon, they have found a way to metabolize one true thing and the lie that led to that thing being true. Yes. <laughs> They've metabolized the lie that there was a satanic panic or that there was, you know, satanic action right. happening against False children. And yeah. And the idea that the press is wrong for disseminating it somehow. Right. So then if you can prove that the press is disseminating it and that they're wrong for disseminating it, then somehow because that element of what you believe is true, it gives credence to the other things that you believe is true. Um, another thread... A very real concern that is underscored by a lot of these things and something that shows a mass, uh, again, this transition from satanic panic into QAnon today or 
echoing, history repeating itself, whatever you want to call it. The tunnels, the children, child trafficking. That is a huge Mm, concern mm -hmm. of both the satanic panic and of QAnon. So during the satanic panic, one of the things I mentioned earlier that if the allegations put forth by prominent Christian thought leaders, I'm talking televangelists and other people who were propagating and reporting this, if their figures are anywhere near accurate, there was something like half a million deaths from satanic ritual abuse a year. So that's like if you calculate from how many rituals were supposedly happening every day, how many covens or branches of the church there supposedly were, um, how many people were in the ch- like each coven. Like they were saying like all these things that the, these covens and stuff could include as many as 12,000 people in one like church coven uh, the Church of Satan actually calls them grottos. But anyway, um, I know. Isn't that cool? I like that. After the word uh, – after awesome. the – well, I can talk about the word grotto and the word grotesque another time. It's a super fascinating etymological journey. But there was a huge concern about where are all these children coming from. If these children are being murdered at a rate of – and not just children, but also uh, young, a lot of young people like um, – especially young women, but let's think about it just children. So even if we say that only half of that half a million dead people a year are children, where are a quarter of a million children coming from every year to be slaughtered in these rituals? And that fed all these theories that there were, there were even like, forced rituals of like forced uh impregnation and reproduction within mm-hmm. churches uh which within cert- satanic churches that were producing mm-hmm. children for the explicit purpose of satanic rituals and that's something that mm-hmm. you will see come up in um QAnon today um and there were theories that these tunnels were being used to sort of spirit children away and every missing child or every child taken by DCS was being trafficked mm-hmm. to these Satanists. And that is something you will mm-hmm. also hear today. And then we have moments, and we certainly don't have enough time to cover this right now, but then we have these massive moments of press. I'm going to say hysteria, even if it is valid, a hysteria over things like Jeffrey Epstein, who was obviously a terrible person and was obviously doing horrible things. We don't know the extent to which he was trafficking children and young women. We just don't know. But because we don't know, if we're in the mindset of seeing this as the a piece of the puzzle of these massive government conspiracies of satanic ritual of cannibalism and child abuse and blood whatever you know what i mean then blood Blood libel libel. then it's easy to see maybe not easy but like do you understand where i'm coming from like all these little pieces that can be found to be true add up to something that is so much greater than the sum of its factual parts and I guess that's literally just what hysteria is. Yeah. I mean, like, was Jeffrey Epstein trafficking 250,000 children a year for Hillary Clinton to eat in the basement of Comet Pizza? Probably not. Was he definitely a sex trafficker? Yes. Yeah. 
what I was going to say something that just bounces off Please what you're do. saying, I think is yeah. a nice little about hysteria. So this is an excerpt from, or this is actually the abstract from a paper called Satanism, Ritual Abuse, and Multiple Personality Disorder, a Socio-Historical Perspective. Really um, I will. It's, uh, it's from the International Journal of Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis, and this is published okay. in 1993. During the past decade in North America, a growing number of mental health professionals have reported that between 25 and 50% of their patients in treatment for multiple personality disorder have recovered early childhood traumatic memories of ritual torture, incestuous rape, sexual debauchery, sacrificial murder, infanticide, and cannibalism perpetuated by members of clandestine satanic cults. Although hundreds of local and federal police investigations have failed to corroborate patients' therapeutically constructed accounts, because the satanic etiology of MPD is logically coherent with the neurodissociative traumatic theory of psychopathology, conspiracy theory has emerged as the nucleus of consistent pattern of contemporary clinical interpretation. Resolutely logical and thoroughly operational, ultra-scientific psychodemonology remains paradoxically, paradoxically oblivious to its own irrational premises. When the hermetic logic of conspiracy theory is stripped away by historical and socio-psychological analysis, however, the hypothetical perpetuators of satanic ritual abuse simply disappear, leaving in their wake the very real human suffering of all those being caught up in the social delusion. Issa, I blow you a chef's kiss. That's perfect. I think that's exactly what we've been trying to say yeah. with all three of these episodes, basically. Yeah. No, there's a podcast called You're Wrong About. And in that podcast, they recently did a very popular episode. I actually don't think it was that recent, but they did a podcast about, they did an episode about uh, the Satanic Panic. And in it, they posit that the Satanic Panic was a combination of anxieties like women were going into the workforce, they were leaving mm. their children with preschools. Mm. They had not done that before. There was huge anxiety about mm. not raising their own children. And there was... Um, in other ways, kind of a mass cultural reckoning with the idea of childhood sexual yes. assault, that that was happening right. in other spheres of life, that people were realizing that's yeah. a real thing that needs to be addressed. And the combination of those two things smashed together and created this perfect storm of hysteria. That seems fair. And on the heels of the 60s and 70s, which were very turbulent times for alternative religions, small religions, cults like very uh a lot of publicity about the dangers of that exactly and a change in social structure which kind of leaves people morally unmoored so to speak right leaves them disconnected the from traditional family. family values in some ways even those who which try and maintain QAnon it is also obsessed with right and while i buy that those were contributing factors to this hysteria i'm more of a i take more of a long view about it which is that this is the kind of moral hysteria that you just this just Have. happens. Yeah, like, I agree. This this kind of there is like some <laughs> there is some social structure in the way we orient our society yeah. as like a Christian nation with the opportunity for other religions and divisions, and you can raise your kids however you want, but ultimately we're all Christians. That really leaves room for this kind of like evil is out there and it's in our communities and it's killing our kids type mass hysteria not to say that we shouldn't Absolutely. work to prevent it in all opportunities the, i just think it's it's broad it's the ectoplasm of you know civilized society in the sense that it's excreted by the process of our rituals and traditions yeah yeah so that's that i mean there's lots more to learn about satanism that has nothing to do with satanic panic but 
that's all we have for today, I think. Today, when this episode drops, we also maybe released a bonus episode about the daughters of Anton LaVey, both of which were uh, head priestesses of the Church of Satan, and, and one of which just released the 10-minute version of All Too Well, and sort of their legacy and a little bit about what it means to actually be a child in the Church of Satan. All right. All right. I'm, Thanks, all. Thank you. Thanks.